Our first scripture reading comes from one of the minor prophets that we don't typically read from, the prophet Habakkuk. And we see that although Habakkuk is probably less known than some of the other prophets, the words that he records here are timeless. And they're actually recorded in several places in the New Testament to verify that we are justified alone by Christ and that we receive that through faith. We read in Habakkuk in chapter 2, verses 1 to 4, Most I will take my stand at my watchpost and station myself on the tower and look out to see what he will say to me and what I will answer concerning my complaint. And the Lord answered me, Write the vision, make it plain on tablets, so he may run who reads it. For still the vision awaits its appointed time. It hastens to the end. It will not lie. If it seems slow, wait for it. It will surely come. It will not delay. Behold, his soul is puffed up. It is not upright within him. But the righteous shall live by his faith. Our second reading comes from the Gospel of John in chapter 17. The prayer of Jesus as he was in the Garden of Gethsemane speaking to his Heavenly Father. We see in this prayer the communion that Jesus has with the Father as part of the Trinity, but also the important work that rested upon the shoulders of our Savior that he accomplished on our behalf. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. I sanctify myself for them, so they also may be sanctified by the truth. I pray not only for these, but also for those who believe in me through their message. May they all be one, as you, Father, are in me, and I am in you. May they also be one in us, so the world may believe you sent me. God's grace, peace, and blessing be with you all in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. We read this morning from God's holy and inspired word in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 to 22. So then you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household. You have been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the cornerstone. In him the whole building is joined together and grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you too are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. This is the word of God before us today. Our theme considers the growing structure of faith in Jesus and how that is built around the stability of his word of truth, and the strength we have when we are connected to him. There are several important and foundational truths to our Christian faith in the words of our text. It'd be hard to point out all of them. And if you zoomed out in all of Ephesians chapter 2, it'd take an entire series to cover everything that God tells us here. Once again, we see in these words that the Trinity is described. You have Jesus himself present, you have God the Father working, and you have the Holy Spirit through the Trinity as well. We're also told about God's household, his kingdom, 
being part of his family. We're told about the apostles and the prophets. All of these terms are foundational to our Christian faith. They're terms that describe what it means to be a believer of Christ. They're integral to what it means to be a child of God. But there's one word that stands out among all of these in the words of our text when it comes to the world that we live in, especially the world today. For the majority of people today, their focus on their faith is not about past believers who have come before them, not about the prophets and the apostles, not about being a member of God's household, not about his kingdom, not even really about God himself. For many people today, the focus is on one little word from verse 21, grows. Growth is our culture's goal today. That can be to grow financially, materially, or in terms of our message today, spiritually. Growth is seen as the indicator of someone's worth, of something that is valuable. If it isn't growing or leading to growth, many people discard it or count it as worthless or second rate. Sadly, this principle is applied to many people in Christianity today. The trends and movements within Christianity reflect a predominance on growth. And if anything doesn't appear or seem to bring us growth in our lives, we easily cast it aside. Who doesn't want growth? No one wants to be in a system of belief that is stagnant, that doesn't lead to a further relationship with God. We want to see positive change. We want to see growth in our lives and especially in our faith. Sometimes we also want to be recognized by others for how well we've grown, for how far we've come. But the question that we ask ourselves today is to what end? Why do we see growth as a good thing? Certainly it is, but why? And what value does it lead to? As the Apostle Paul, by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, describes the church of God in our text, he talks about growth, but not as something that is most important in our faith. Growth is not even stated as the primary goal of our faith. Now, it's not that, again, growth itself is bad. That's not the problem here. We need to be growing in our faith to be a believer of God. That's part of the natural process of being led by the Holy Spirit. What Paul's warning about in our text is the kind of growth that is determined by mankind. And most importantly, this kind of growth can be incredibly dangerous if it happens outside of Christ. Paul teaches us this in really two main points. For growth to be good for our lives, it has to first of all be stable, grounded in the gospel of Christ. And second, growth has to remain the secondary goal. We'll take part one here first, that growth has to be stable. The primary image that Paul presents to us in the words of our text is that of a structure. Several unique words are used here in the Greek language to describe this structure. They come out in the thoughts of our text in verse 20. You have been built on the foundation. In, in verse 21, 
the whole building is joined together and grows. In verse 22, in him you two are being built together. These are all very unique words. In fact, they're so unique that in the Greek language, they're only used in these verses. That's the only place they come up in the entire Bible. And what Paul's trying to point out to us is that this is a special kind of growth that God gives us as part of members of his church. It's not just growing as an end to itself, but it's growing with stability in the gospel. It's growing with a purpose. And just like a structure has to be built on a foundation, so our growth in faith is only valuable if it's on the foundation of our Savior, Jesus. The people in Ephesus that Paul was writing to were Greek primarily. They would have known the value of Greek architecture. Greek architecture was so foundational in the ancient world that many of their buildings are still standing, at least the foundations today. They knew the value of stability before growth. The way a building is constructed, in a way, is a form of growth. When you start from a foundation and you build the walls up, you put the windows and the roof, whatever else may be there, it's growing in a way. But before anything can take place, there needs to be stability. There needs to be a foundation. And that's the first place that Paul directs us to. The foundation of our church is Jesus Christ. He is what Paul calls in our text the chief cornerstone. The cornerstone in terms of ancient architecture was the most important piece of the building. The cornerstone was not important because it was the sole foundation, but what the cornerstone did was set the parameters for the rest of the building. So if the cornerstone was off, the rest of the building would be off too, but none of the parts of the building would serve their proper function and purpose without the cornerstone in place. What a beautiful and fitting image for our faith that Jesus is not only our cornerstone, Paul says, but he is the chief cornerstone. He is preeminent above all other foundational pieces. The problem is, is if, if Jesus is off in our faith, if he's off in our lives, it's not going to be his doing, but if our perception, our belief of Jesus is skewed, so also will our faith be. And our lives as Christians and believers will not be serving the purpose and function that God intends for us just as much as a building that is off is not serving its purpose and function. Jesus is unique in his power and in his preeminence as the chief cornerstone. But most people today don't really know what that means. It's not in the way that the world expects. The Apostle Peter also used the imagery of Jesus as the cornerstone, and he took it from the Old Testament in his letter. Peter quoted from Psalm 118, where there was a prophecy about Jesus as the cornerstone. Listen to what Peter says about Jesus' work as a cornerstone. It is contained in Scripture, I lay a stone in Zion, a chosen and honored cornerstone, and the one who believes in him will never be put to shame. So honor will come to you who believe, but for the unbelieving, the stone that the builders rejected, this one has become the cornerstone. Peter tells us from the Old Testament that for Jesus to be this cornerstone, for him to provide the stability for our faith, he had to be humiliated and rejected. 
It's not what the world expects. The world expects if God's going to show his power, well, that will show itself outwardly. That will feel good in my life. That'll be something that attracts people. But the Bible says what makes Jesus foundational is that he suffered and died for us. Isaiah tells us he was despised and rejected. No one wanted to look upon his appearance. No one sought him with any favor. No one thought that he would be God's chosen one. What a contrast to the era of pop Christianity that we live with in our culture today, an era that is focused on self-actualization of my dreams, my desires, my goals, an era that is focused on feel-good emotions and being uplifted with a spiritual high when I come to church on Sunday. What a contrast to the real source of our hope, the despised and rejected Savior, the one who suffered and died for our sins, the one who was rejected by man so that we could be accepted by God. Before any growth happens in our lives and in our faith, we must be founded on this cornerstone, Jesus Christ, and he was despised and rejected. Here we see the foundation of our faith, but we also see in it the foolishness of building upon ourselves. We are fallen and corrupt, just as much as those who took Jesus to the cross, just as much as those who denied him and betrayed him and rejected him. No matter how popular or growth-oriented spiritual movements are in the world today, if they build on yourself, it's a broken foundation. It's foolish to build on ourselves. We cannot do what Christ alone has accomplished for us. No one can lay any other foundation than the one that has been set down, which is Jesus Christ. Paul wrote that to the Corinthians. This foundation established by Christ contains, by extension, Paul tells us, the apostles and the prophets. And here in these descriptors, we see where the word of God comes into play. The apostles were the writers of the Bible in the New Testament. The prophets were the writers of the Bible in the Old Testament. And Paul's telling us they are built upon Jesus on this great foundation upon which your faith rests. So now when you are built into that foundation, when you become a member of God's household, you also are built on the prophets and the apostles and Christ. This should show us the importance of the word of God when it comes to the stability of our faith in Jesus Christ. Again, how can we have any solid, healthy growth without a good foundation? And that foundation is rooted in the word of God, delivered to us through what the prophets and the apostles were inspired to write down. A person cannot separate the person Jesus from his word. The two are connected in this foundation. I mentioned before that the Ephesians would have been well known or would have known well the modes and methods of Greek architecture and the value of a solid foundation. But when we get to our second part here in our sermon where we see that Paul talks about being connected to God, Paul brings up a very specific building. It's not a Greek building. When he talks about growth, Paul refers to it as growing into the holy temple of the Lord. Now, we know well the significance of the temple in the Old Testament and even into the New Testament. We try to reflect some of that in our church building and in our worship. But this was a bit of a problem for the Gentile Ephesians. 
You see, the temple of God in Jerusalem was not available to the Gentiles. They were not allowed into that temple. So why would Paul bring that up when he's talking to Gentile Christians? Why would he say, you're going to grow into the temple of the Lord when that was something that they were excluded from? The point that Paul was making through this very deliberate word choice was that the purpose for the, the Ephesians and for all of us as believers is to be connected to God. Now, that's the reason we come here on Sunday to church. That's the purpose of our church building. This building here that we're in has been dedicated for that purpose. We use it to connect people to God. That was the same way it was for the Old Testament temple, for the temple in Jerusalem during the early church. Even though the Gentiles were excluded from it by Jewish custom, Paul says it's not about the building. You yourselves, by faith in Christ, become the temple of the Holy Spirit. As we talked about with the foundation, the beautiful aspect of faith and the beautiful element of the imagery that Paul presents to us here is that when we trust in Christ as our Savior and the source and foundation of our faith, we become a brick in that building. We are built into that household of God to become a member who helps support and spread the faith to others, who is grounded and rooted firmly in our Savior Christ. Paul's telling the Ephesians, you don't have to worry about the Old Testament ways, the Old Testament laws and customs, or the actual temple building in Jerusalem, because you yourselves, by faith, become the temple of God. The goal of the believer is to be a dwelling place for God, to be connected to God in one's heart and in one's body. And growth means very little, and indeed it can be very dangerous, in, in fact, if it is not connecting one to God. Think about the parable of the wheat and the tares, right? There was growth in both scenarios. Whether the wheat was growing or the weeds were growing, there was growth happening. But the point that Jesus was making through that parable was we don't want to be growing weeds in our spiritual lives. So not all growth is positive or good for us. Only growth that keeps us connected to God. Consider another parable, the well-known parable of the sower and the seed. The purpose of that parable is for the reader to consider what kind of soil is best for growth. That's who we are in the parable. We're the soil. So what kind of soil are we? But it's not any kind of growth either that is positive. According to the parable, some types of soil lead to quick growth but lack the stability and the foundation to sustain faith. Jesus taught in Matthew 13, some seed fell on stony places where they did not have much earth, and they immediately sprang up because they had no depth of earth. But when the sun was up, they were scorched. Because they had no root, they withered away. Growth may occur fast in shallow soil, in the things of the world today that are popular or that the majority of people hasten after. But what's the point if that growth does not endure? Similarly, it may be easier to throw together a makeshift building as a shelter, but what value is there if it doesn't have a proper foundation? What value is there in that effort, in that work, 
if it falls apart as soon as it's quickly tested. These are the kinds of lessons that Paul brings to mind here as he leads us to consider the work of the church. The growth is not, or the goal is not growth itself. The goal is to be connected to God. When a person is connected to God by faith, when that foundation is upon the word of God and the work of Jesus Christ alone, the growth will be taken care of by the Holy Spirit. It's not something we have to do. It will happen naturally when we are keeping the gospel through word and sacrament active in our lives. We don't need to squeeze out that growth by our efforts. We don't need to hold it over people's heads with the law. God will work in us naturally when we are on the foundation. I mentioned earlier that this section contains several unique words that aren't found anywhere else in Scripture. And each of those words describes the connection that we have to God. Verse 21, we are joined together. Verse 22, we are built together. And in verse 22, we become the dwelling place for God by the Holy Spirit. This is the unique gift of faith that we have when that faith is centered and founded upon the only Savior, Jesus Christ. And the Ephesians could trust Paul's assertion to them that they were the temple of God, not because of their ancestors, not because they felt that way, not because they fit in with the rest of the culture at that time. They could trust Paul's assertion of this because God had delivered it for them through Christ. Because the promise that had been given was fulfilled. The truth could not be taken away that Jesus fulfilled it all. And earlier in Ephesians chapter 2, to preface this whole discussion about the work of the church, Paul reminded the Ephesians how. In chapter 2, verses 8 through 10, he tells them, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That is where our spiritual growth comes from. By grace you have been saved through faith. Why would we spend our time trying to manufacture our own growth? Trying to capture that feeling, that spiritual high that the rest of the world seems to have? Why would we waste our time with that when God tells us he's already prepared them beforehand through Jesus Christ? We are God's workmanship. He does work through us. We will experience and see the growth of faith through the Holy Spirit. Paul's message to us as a church today is God takes care of the growth. God does this by giving us a stable foundation in Jesus Christ. Before we want to spring up and start growing, we want to have a solid foundation. We want to have a root system that will endure when tested. But God also gives us growth by connecting us to our Savior Jesus through faith in his gospel word and sacrament. May this be our goal and purpose as the household of God as his church. May we be centered on the growth that only God alone can give. Amen. Amen.